Hi, so we're at the start of 2024-ish and I'm just wondering if you have set your goals and if you think you've got it within you to achieve them. I'm feeling a wee bit stuck just now, not least because I've got my foot up. I've just had a toe operation on a toe and foot that are fractured in the summer. So I guess sometimes you get into these situations where there's a bit of inertia and you are saying, well, once this gets better, I'll get better and I'll get more on it and all the rest of it. But I think sometimes it's good to chat to someone. So I've learned in my career that it's great to have a coach or a mentor or get some therapy or some counselling and all these things. And I know sometimes there's a stigma attached to these things, but the way life is now and with all sorts of mindsets, all sorts of characters, all sorts of external forces pressing stress on you is always a great thing to do. And the great thing about having a coach is they can see what you can't. So it's that whole wood for the trees type thing. So today I think it's a bit of a treat of an episode and I've got actually one of the hospitality legends really uh, through her career but she started a chapter two and that is Sarah Clark, founder and executive coach at Nine Yards Coaching. So with all of her experience from Corny and Barrow to Pret to then being on the board and actually running a business for uh, Mbiba, one of their uh, investments that they had. So Lino and Kitty Hawk and Marsha and the Green Room and White and Brown and all that. We had the great fortune of spending some time together there. I sat in on the board meetings now and again, and it really was a great business to be involved with, really well run and really well structured. And Sarah's whole mantra really is about everyone knowing that they have the ability to be extraordinary. And I could see that even back when I worked with Sarah in more operational roles and seeing her running businesses and making people happy and maximising the talent that they have. So we start talking about coaching and then we go into a little bit about hospitality and career and then we get into top tips for 2024 if you're feeling a bit stuck. So I would really encourage you to get in touch with Sarah if you just need a wee chat, need to get unstuck, you've got something on your mind that isn't quite sitting right in terms of business and Sarah will be the right person to unstick you straight away. Supersonic. 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 Welcome to Supersonic Hospitality Marketing with me, Mark McSee, where we meet the most interesting people in hospitality, marketing, business, and beyond to hear tips, tricks, and tales to help your brand boom. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity, and serve guests better. And now, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Vita Mojo is proud to be the headline sponsor of the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. VitaMojo transforms chaos into confidence for hospitality operators worldwide, empowering brands to streamline order management and take control of their business. With its flexible end-to-end -end order management system, VitaMojo gives you one central place 
to manage your menu across every channel, brand and location. But VitaMojo is much more than an out-of-the-box software solution. The VitaMojo team are with you every step of the way, providing the partnership you need, the technology you want and the experience your guests deserve, all in one place. VitaMojo will help you adapt to whatever the world throws at your hospitality business. For more information, visit vitamojo.com slash supersonic. So it gives me the most manifesting pleasure ever to introduce my next guest, who is Sarah Clark, founder and executive coach at Nine Yards Coaching. Hello. Hello, Mark. Thank you for having me. That's all right. It looks very nice where you are. Is that your your little nook? Yeah, it is my little nook up in the loft. Mm. It's a good space. Yeah, well, I like the light coming through. I think that's very zen. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's where I do most of my work. It's a real, really peaceful haven. Uh, No, it looks great. And I guess with what you're doing, it sort of needs to be, right? It needs to be an environment devoid of stress and all the rest of it for you to then lead your clients in terms of coaching and all that stuff. Uh-huh, absolutely. Yeah. And where, whereabouts are you? Are you in London? Ealing. 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 Oh, nice. Um, I did uh, one of my first jobs. I ended up in Ealing. Um, I was working with uh, uh, music magazines. Um, can't remember. It was like a home office type affair, you know, sort of. Um, but I can't remember exactly where it was, but I always enjoyed being there. I thought it was a lovely, a lovely place. And yeah, it, it's I, nice I, enough. And then... Have you not got a few good new restaurants have opened in Ealing lately? Yeah, actually. And I tell you, well, I think the one that's ripping up trees is Popeyes. <laughs> is it? Yeah. It, I mean, it's phenomenal. It's mm. doing so well. But Comtoir went in, Comtoir Liberté's went in after, I think um, it was one of Gordon Ramsay's, I think it was a Bread Street, mm. went in them recently and they're doing in fact I tried to book a table a couple of weeks ago and couldn't get in which is a really good sign um yeah, there's a lot going on and the cinema's open now there's an Albion East there's a Darwin and Wallace who've been there for a while so yeah it's decent it is decent and of course the Elizabeth line has really helped make yeah. so much more accessible yeah because it was a always a bit of a schlep to get there yeah. you know I always thought that when I was going um uh-huh. I think I was living in think i was living in the city just so it was convenient for digs but not convenient for the job at all you know it was uh, it was quite a slip to go over but i think you know have you had popeyes yeah yeah i had it the other night and i was a bit disappointed yeah my kids like it yeah maybe i'm not the target market but no i just kind of thought i haven't been there yet because there's a few opened in brighton like Popeyes, Wendy's, you know, these different things. I thought, oh, I'll give it a wee go. And um, yeah, maybe it was just a, a, a bad day at the office or something. But yeah, it wasn't. It was it was like it was almost like the the bread to chicken ratio. Uh-huh. It was a bit much, even for a Scotsman. That's um, their, um I think that's their thing. It's all it? in the um in the coating. Yeah. 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 Some Louisiana sort of situation. But yeah, yeah it's, it's it's decent enough, and the price point is really accessible. Yeah, yeah. I think it was there's a bit of a chicken corners happened in 
Brighton, so there's like Slim Chickens as well and all that. So um, Slim Chicken seems to be the the favourite with the wee one, you know. But um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's taken over. Chickens having its day. Um, so what's been happening with you then over the last wee while? Because I guess the last time we saw each other properly, properly was we were doing some brand work, I think, um, for you know some of the brands that you were looking after back then. So. What's the sort of journey to now? What's what's happened and what's the big change? Gosh, what a great question. You know, Mark, that that reminds me, you know, as you say that about we were doing some brand work together, that was three days before lockdown. We were up there temper in, in the city. Um so yeah, I guess I guess I'll start there actually, because you know, that that those moments during COVID, I think, really shaped my decision to step down as MD of Well Founded, not knowing at the time, you know, quite often these moments of clarity come in the rearview mirror, like you don't really kind of know w- what's going on. But I had a great time with Well Found, you know, the artist formerly known as Brighton Bell. And then I got to, I I just see, I've always, I think for the last five years had coaches. I've had a relationship coach who is not relationship coach as far as me and my husband, but she helps you work on the relationship you have with yourself. So I had Mm -hmm. her and I had a business coach. And I think through the incredible work they did, it really helped me understand that what I was doing was not going to be right for me for the next sort of 20, 30 years. And I want to work until I'm 80. Like oh. to stopping or retiring or doing like it's just it's just not for me. So I had been on a immersive weekend. It was from a Friday through to a Sunday with my coach. It's really sort of full on intimate coaching with 100, 130 people in a room. And I came back off that that weekend, you know, not feeling any different than I had from any other weekends I'd had had there. But I woke up the next morning on the Monday morning. This is the end of November 2022. Took the kids to school Monday morning. Husband had gone to work. And as I walked back, I was working from home. As I walked back, I just thought, this is not my gig anymore. Mm. And I didn't believe I was the right person to take the business to a meaningful exit. I've been in, I've been running the business for seven years. Obviously, there was that gap with with two years with COVID, really, where, you know, the rubber hit the road, if you like. Mm. So I I I just thought this isn't my gig anymore. And you know, when you know, like you know, like you know, that if you're going to do the right thing and stand in your truth and do the right thing for the shareholders, the right thing for yourself, the right thing for the team, the business, your family, all of that, then you have to make a decision. So I got got in the house and it's about nine o'clock and phoned my husband and said, if you got a minute, and you know, those kind of calls where he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And he thinks I'm going to ask him, you know, what time's going to be home or, you know, can yeah. you? And he said, um, and I said, no, this is this is a proper conversation. He was like, oh, okay. I think you probably thought I was going to leave him. <laughs> and, um, I've been thinking, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, 
so I told him, I told him, look, I'm, I'm thinking about stepping down. And it was such a moment of clarity then for him and for me, you know, of just, oh, this is the right thing to do. And at that stage, I didn't know that I wanted to do coaching. I just know that I was not the right person to be taking Wellfound to the next, the next level. Mm. So, um, so I made a decision. And because the company is in Mbiba, when you set them up, you are number one employee you are you're bound by a contract so it's you it's it's reasonably easy if you like to to make an exit so i so i resigned i resigned and it wasn't until probably three months after that that i i again because i've been working with these fabulous coaches that i thought i'd really love to be able to learn how to do this and have an impact on the lives of people in our industry mm. i mean it's it's so tricky because i guess you know there's so much fear with losing you know leaving a job and all that as well because you think what will i do obviously there's financial things you know and all the rest of it but i i get it quite often you know where you're a bit like i can't see myself doing something you know, and there's that little bit of friction inside you that's like, well, actually, what is it that's eating me? What is it that's wrong? You know, and then once you get to that and then you say, well, it's not the right thing for me. And I think as I'm getting older because I'm such a people pleaser, um, saying no is so hard or, let you know, letting people down in inverted commas and all the rest of it. So, you know, when you make that kind of decision, um, I mean, obviously, you're not doing it lightly, and there must have been something so big subconsciously going on for you, you know, over that weekend, um, and and that happening. And was there some interesting exercising and stuff you kind of went through when you were on that immersive weekend? You know, was there something that really, you know, stood out to you that was that that made that helped you make that decision, or was it just a a bunch of stuff? N nothing of note, you know. Yeah. Quite rightly say these things are often subconscious. Like yeah. in my conscious mind, I had not for a moment. I mean, when I'm in, I'm in. Mm. in we're doing it or we're doing it or we're doing it. And I was balls deep in the business. Mm. I always have been throughout my career. So I hadn't even been on my mind. And I guess you you often find that with coaching, these kind of transformations, these light bulb moments, these breakthroughs, they they come after yeah. any kind of you know deep dive coaching, and yeah, so it was very must have been subconscious. But when it was conscious, then it's like okay, mm. now, now what? Now, yeah. and they're not as you say, they're not easy decisions to make. But you you know you you choose your hard because none of it is easy. Being an mm. employee isn't easy. Being a Having your own business isn't easy. Mm. Being unfit isn't easy. Mm. Going to the gym isn't easy. You just choose your hard, don't mm. you? And I, 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 ch I chose. But it, had I not been given the opportunity within Bieber to run that business, because you are running your own business, you know, they the invisible hand and it's a great setup. You know, you have access to the most phenomenal property directors, the most phenomenal finance directors. Like you have access to these people's, but the buck stops with you. You know, yeah. you'll meet with the board once a month and that's it. They leave you to. And it's a fantastic 
model and a great way of empowering people to do the right thing for the business. Um, so had I not had that invitation from Mbiba in 2017, it was to um, to 2016 to, to run to run Right and Bell. I don't think I would have made the step to start up this mm. business. There's a couple of phrases there you've used, and it'd be interesting to dig into those a bit. So one is talking about you know your truth, um, and when we we had a sneaky not a pint but a sneaky drink at the the Devonshire the other week there mm -hmm. and just before Christmas and you know that that get talked about quite a bit so is that something that you know you are is pivotal to your coaching style you know about people you know being you know standing within the truth and, and that type of thing 100 percent. yeah it, it it really is and and the, the beauty of coaching is that there is there really is nowhere else where you can be in psychological safety where there is there's there's I, I don't have any expectations of my clients other than for them to show up as their true selves be prepared to get uncomfortable because it is challenging and you know I I see the stuff that they don't see themselves. And I also, I challenge them on the things that nobody else will challenge them on. So be prepared to be be uncomfortable and be prepared to be completely vulnerable. And when you're in a space, when you're in a room with somebody for an hour or however long it might be, and this is for any with any coach, when you're with somebody, then who is asking you questions like, what would make this an incredible conversation for you today? Mm. You can't help as a client, as a person, to go, gosh, this really is about me. And that if you're coachable and you allow the process and you do the work, then the truth that you talk about, Mark, is all that can come up mm. or all that can come up because you're being your true authentic self with somebody who has no judgment of you mm. and has you know no other belief and this is my true belief and actually i know this that we all have the ability to be extraordinary every single one of us mm. every one of us mm. And I, I've, I've always believed that. And our extraordinaries are different extraordinaries, you know. The Richard Branson extraordinary is different to my extraordinary. We've all got our own extraordinaries. Mm -hmm. But to have somebody in your corner, a coach who believes in you and your extraordinary and your dream can have an enormous impact on people's lives. And are there sort of main, main subjects that come up really in terms of themes of what, you know, I, I remember years ago I, I read a phenomenal book called What's Stopping You mm. and by Robert Kelsey and, and at the back of that it gets you to write a sort of life plan. Um, but that was the thing that's on my mind still quite often where I think what is it that's, stopping me doing x y and z so yeah you, you seeing any sort of 
major themes coming through? The recurring theme is, is as you say, us getting in our own way, you know, because we have been conditioned, um, you know, through our lives and through through circumstance to keep ourselves safe, mm. you know, keep ourselves safe. And there's those fears, perhaps a fear of failure, a fear of success sometimes as well as, mm. gosh, you know, if if I achieve this big dream, and these dreams are so relative to ourselves as individuals, but if I achieve this big dream, then what is that, you know, what's that going to mean to my family? You know, will people treat me differently? Um, will, you know, putting my head, I met with somebody um, a couple of days ago who who was talking about their fear of doing the thing that they really, really want to do is they're going to have to, and they use this and the body language was awesome to watch too. They said, I'm going to have to put my head above the parapet. I'm going to have that fear of almost being seen and therefore comes the judgment, etc. Yeah. And people are go. I mean, I'm sorry, people are going to judge us. They are. We judge, we, you know, people are going to judge judge us so it is the theme tends to be a fear somehow uh, of something and us getting in our own way and those tend to be the gen- general themes and then once once we understand what it is that's stopping us and the coachee the client has all the answers in themselves they have them all you know and that's where all the gold and the beauty comes is mm. asking those questions that helps the client come up with the answers it's not tell it's ask Mm. then 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 they can start to step into those take those acts of courage that help them stop getting in their own way Mm -hmm. and is there a theory you sort of subscribe to or something like that you know if it was classic therapy you know whether it was Freudian or Jungian or whatever is is there like a certain set of tools or is it you know you've developed some and and you know and, and taken inspiration from some others you know how, how does that work yeah I mean it, it, it it's a work in progress that because I don't know if you listen did you listen to um Stephen Bartlett interview um Michael Buble no I didn't I didn't get that one no it's really, really good. But something that Michael Bublé says, he talks about how he watched all the greats and emulated all the greats, like the, I don't know, um, oh, who are the guys? Like that Sinatra, did? Harry Connick. That's right. I wanted to say yeah, Fred yeah. Astaire, but he's the yeah. dance. So Frank oh, Frank, no, that's yeah. something different. <laughs> <laughs> something different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he he emulated all of these people. And one of the quotes that he came up with is if you steal something from one person, then you're a thief. But if you steal it from lots of different people, then it's research. And that's effectively... What I'm doing at the moment is learning a great deal about all of these theories and all of these tools, because that's generally, you know, everything that we create in life tends to be, uh, you know, somebody else's idea, doesn't it? You know, we kind of take things, we take things. And I'm not the first coach, as, as we know. So at the moment, I'm just learning a lot. And it is, 
it it it, it comes up. That, I mean, I have a, a set of beliefs that, as I say, that everyone has the ability to be extraordinary, and that I, uh, you know, a theory I subscribe to is challenging and and allowing my clients to feel uncomfortable in a safe space but the rest of it is really what I I learned along the way with this certification I did last year which was about seeing every person as whole mm-hmm. so a client would come doesn't it might come to be to me with a problem but I don't work on the problem with them I work on the client and I work on their goal we work on that together yeah well I think one of the other phrases you used uh, as well which I just was curious to know what it was when you said the invisible hand what's that oh that and, and whenever I think of the invisible hand I think of John Connell the chairman of MB because uh-huh. it was it, it, it's very much that is just you know prompting people showing them things that are different, introducing people, networking. That's what John Connell did. Like he never really tells you what to do as a chairman, never tells, because he's an entrepreneur and he's certainly not an operator, you know, but what he does brilliantly is give you access to things if you need it. And if you choose not to use the stuff he might say oh he might just do an intro or you know show you something then that's your call and and he leaves it and lands it you know that's it but it is an invisible hand of feeling safe enough to mess up yeah yeah well i mean i've I've had a few encounters with john and um i just really enjoyed it and i think i said to you before like just reminds me so much of my grandfather so it was like really spooky being in his presence, you know, but I, you know, I just always really enjoyed it. In fact, Daryl and Lizzie are, are coming on the podcast soon, I think. So um, oh. that'll be cool to have a wee catch up with them. So when a client's coming to see you as well, are you ever fearful that, you know, there'll be nothing said or it'll dry up or, or does that get into the uncoachable side of things like if the person isn't kind of given back i think that's always would always be a fear i mean i'd be so anxious i think mm-hmm. i mean there is there is a responsibility for i mean initially when you start uh you you know you've created a client so you you've found somebody that i mean and, and for me too it's important that i'm working with people that really inspire me and 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 as you're kind of you're in those and and also important to work with people that are are I guess really really committed mm. to 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 work on themselves and when you're when a, a client this has happened comes saying oh, I haven't really got anything to talk about today I might ask them to just talk then and we've had moments where there's been very 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 long silences Mm. and in those moments then you know you can imagine feeling that uncomfortable then in those moments of silence comes perhaps and there might be some anger there might be some emotion there might be what tends to come up is what's really going on as well so 
that, that actually they, they can be quite juicy. And also, you know, I, I, I said to a client before, okay, tell, tell me about, tell me about your story, you know, tell me about when you were six years old, what was going on there. And, 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 you know, this isn't therapy. Coaching mm. can be therapeutic, mm. but it's not therapy. You know, therapy focuses on looking back. Coaching is about looking into the future. So I don't, we don't go there. And, you know, if there hasn't been so far yet, but there was, if there was ever, ever a time when it did, you know, go down that route, then I'm certainly not qualified to do, do you know, take that that any further in, in that moment and we would we would have that coaching you know so I might say you know tell me about what what were you doing who who was influencing your life when you were six years old and you know you just some conversations come from that which might give inspiration about what is the big dream you know where mm. and just unpeeling the layers to get under the skin of every individual so that they can achieve their full potential and then what types of people are you seeing? I mean, is it uh, mostly leadership or is it a kind of fuller gamut of people? And um, what's the type of people that are coming along? All sorts, all sorts. So I uh, tend to be attached to hospitality or retail in some way. So I, I'm, I'm working with a supplier to um, hospitality and retail mm-hmm. at the moment, somebody in a marketing department in a big, big organization um and you know and yeah ops directors so it can be anyone for me it's about i will work with anyone who is who is who has a dream that i can help them with yeah and that's you know and 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 don't get me wrong like there's there's i get this the, the level of detail and conversation and deep dive you can go into with, I mean, one of my clients is the CEO and he, he is so open to this, so open to racing this whole like, okay, what are we doing today? Like excited about it. You know, it doesn't, it's not, it, it, it really can be for anyone who, wants to make a change and that's i think hospitality and retail need this more than ever is because there is so many things going on in the industry so many difficulties you know so many opportunities and so many difficulties and that's why i believe that we should all have a coach doesn't need to be me but we should all have a coach to help us with those those changes that are help us be best equipped to be able to achieve those dreams for the business and for ourselves. And if every leader were to have a coach, and that can be a leader at, at any 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 level, the impact on the business and the people around them having access to somebody every so often mm-hmm. or to talk about what's really going on. You just show up differently because yeah. you are you're a different person so you show up differently for your for your team because i remember if you heard of watershed stephen waters set up watershed no it's a training academy i'm not sure he would like it if i called it that but anyway i see it as a training academy for leaders in hospitality and he does courses like good to great so as you're moving to be an am to a gm 
and you know just helping you on on that journey remember we we were his first client in corny and barrow this is back in 2000 i think Mm -hmm. and i remember being on the other side of this and receiving his training and him saying to us you cannot attempt to be a leader until you have and lead others until you have a true understanding of yourself as a leader Mm -hmm. and we as there there are a lot of of leaders out there that don't have a true understanding of themselves so therefore they're not reaching their full potential and therefore their teams can't reach their full potential i think it's um i mean i was going to ask you know do you think there's any stigma attached to it i mean i don't know do do, do you think that um i think that there. I think there are barriers. Mm-hmm. I think it's perceived as expensive. Um, and and that's, I guess, it, it doesn't have to be expensive. Mm-hmm. The, I, the reason I want to have as many conversations with leaders in hospitality and retail about coaching is to, as a group of people, as an industry, be able to come up with solutions to how we can make this more accessible, Mm. be that contra deals between different businesses, Mm. be that an internal team of coaches, be that an external coach, be that, you know, one to many masterclasses that can, you know, hit, you know, one, 200 people of an evening. Mm. So come up with the solutions where we can make it accessible because anyone who has had a coach will be able to support that it has had a huge impact on their business. And it yep. gives them a competitive edge as a lead, leader one who has a coach versus leader two that doesn't mm. will have far better results and a far greater competitive advantage than leader, leader two. Yeah, I've always thought about, I mean, I don't know if, if you know the reference, but there's that who watches the watchmen sort of thing. Like I, I, I kind of think, um, you know, it's like a bunch of superhero type mutant people, but then they watch after everyone, but who watches them? And I, I, I think that's, you know, definitely needed. And, you know, I felt at my best, I mean, it wasn't a official relationship or anything like that, but I always had this guy called Robert Bean and, and Robert sort of brought me up a bit in terms of, you know, brand and processes and just always being there as a, a wise advisor, you know, Um and that made the world of difference for me. And I think when you're running a business on your own and you don't actually have anyone to speak to, it's not that you don't. I mean, you've got people, but, you know, it just might not be in the right way. Then who's sort of driving you forward? And then there's always that, you know, friend group around you as well, you know, you being the average of them and all that, you know, and you sort of need someone to maybe, you know, pull you forward and, and say, right, you need to go for it because I'm I'm selfishly thinking about me for 2024 and I've got a bunch of goals as, as long as my arm, but, you know, you are a bit like, oh, God, I've got to do all, do all this again. <laughs> um, so, you know, I you know, I, I definitely would see the benefit of that and, and being held to task. And I've recently been diagnosed with ADHD and, you know, it makes a lot of sense, actually. But with that, I know that I need a deadline. Mm-hmm. So, you know, basically, there's I seen a really good wee video on Instagram about it, and it was uh, a guy playing two parts, and, you know, one of the parts was his brain, and then he's saying to the brain, we could just do it now, and then it's done, and the brain's like, there's no such thing as early. 
you know, <laughs> it was just like, you know, it was just on time every time. And sometimes you need that adrenaline, but just having someone to hold you to task to say, right, you know, you need to do it. And also with working with yourself, it does, you know, work does go up and down. So, you know, sometimes you do have a bit of spare time and then, you know, it depends how you choose to to spend that, you know? So are you spending it wisely? I mean, sometimes you sort of settle it with yourself and say, well, it's all right to go for a wee coffee because you've been up till two, you know, the night before doing something. But at the same time, you know, I think having someone to help you structure the path to whatever it is you want to get to um, would, would be really helpful. And, and the other thing was, I was just reminded of um, the Ikigai model as well, you know, in terms of what it is that you're doing. So, you know, that that makes complete sense. So, you know, what does the world need? Absolutely. What do you like doing? You know, what can you get paid for and what are you good at? So, you know, that seems like a nice sort of uh, moment for you to, to hit, tick all those four boxes, I suppose. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I, and I love what you said is like you're the average of the people that you surround yourself mm. with. What that, that effect, that was dreadful paraphrase. But, it, it, it you know... We really are, you know, and surrounding ourselves with people that, you know, are, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day and it said, you know, if you're the most interesting person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. And, you know. I think, I think Father of Gavin said that for Rosa's uh, the other week uh, on the <laughs> pod, you know, he was, he was saying that, you know, and he was saying when he was younger, that would have been a badge of pride and he felt he was the most cleverest person in the room but now he's like you know a bit older and wiser and he's like yeah wrong wrong room uh-huh uh-huh yeah yeah definitely and then the other side of things for you then is obviously starting a business so um what were the sort of challenges you found you know starting up on your own you know what were the the good bits and bad bits because I, I must say your linkedin's really good and um i think uh you know that you obviously had one or two photo shoots done as well which look fabulous so you know they really are striking and sort of stand out um on there as well so yeah what what did you have to think about getting this off the ground i was fortunate enough to have the time and 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 one of one of the motivators for starting this up is because i want to be able to pick tenderly my children who wow. are nine next month of the twins i want to pick them up from school until they go to secondary school mm -hmm. so i am now able to do that so i work for i guess five five hours six hours during the day when they're at school and then i work a little bit in the evening mm -hmm. so and and by the time they get to secondary school i'm sure they won't want me to be picking them up and by then it will be no, they disappear they disappear yeah <laughs> through that just now yep <laughs> <laughs> Like crickets. Yeah. Yeah. Forget yeah. it. <laughs> so, um, so I really enjoyed this year being able to really engage with them because since they were, I guess, just before they were two, you know, they, I, I was, I was full on. So they've had a nanny their, their entire life. So to be able to reconnect with them has been really special. So time has really helped me connect with family and connect with myself and. I think the challenges of setting up on my own were more about me getting used to and discovering this new version of myself because 
I attach so much identity to the business person, the one running, you know, the nice restaurants or running the wine. I mean, this is 30 years of me doing this. And I didn't realize how much of a, a, a identity and there's some ego there for sure, which always feels like it's a dirty word, but we've all got ego. So I think that was that was challenging and 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 also not realizing how much validation I got from my team. Not that I would seek validation, but you automatically guess it when you're at a certain level, you know, that you get validated. So that was all gone. And then the other things like not looking at the daily sales first thing in the morning and, you yeah. know, having a Monday meeting and not going through strategy, like all of them not wearing out the shoe leather, looking for a new sign, not like yeah. all of those things that just keep us feeling like that I'm doing enough, I'm doing enough, I'm doing enough. So when that all goes and it's just me, myself and I, and not really knowing this new person, like I really did not know Sarah as she is now. And, you know, every level up, don't we? Every day we can, you know, reset and, and, and start again. So that I think was probably the, the surprise. I was not prepared for that at all. And it wasn't painful. It was just really, really interesting. Mm. So I would, I would say that's been the biggest discovery. I mean, setting up the business has been relatively easy. And I would I would assert that there are many coaches that start up that haven't been fortunate enough to have had the business experience I have. So it was mm. it was pretty easy to do to do, you know, set that side of things up. It was just the working differently and for the first time in a very long time not having a team which has been been it being yeah it's been a journey and continues to be Mm. and then obviously i mean this is what you're doing now but you know you've got as you've said you know a huge career before that so you know we were both pre-alumni um corny and barrow and and, you know all these types of things so i don't know if it's worth just chatting a little bit about those and just saying you know anything you sort of learned from there or, or any observations um you know from from your time at those brands yeah i i feel so fortunate to have be, worked with some just really awesome businesses and if i start right at the very beginning it was i was 20 working in a cafe bar in newbury my boss which is where i was brought up my boss at the time said to me oh i've got a I've got an ex-husband. She said, my ex-husband um, has a pub in Chelsea and is looking mm-hmm. for the manager. Should we go Should we go up and meet him? Now, I had never even pulled a pipe before. And I went up on the Sunday with her. It was, a, it was more of a session than an interview. I think we just all got on it on the Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know where Chelsea was, you know, <laughs> in London, you know, such a provincial upbringing. And I didn't get the job. But he offered me bartender living above a pub in Chelsea. So I took that. And within a couple of weeks, I'd be made assistant manager. And then a couple of weeks after that, he left quite quickly. And I was invited to hold the business, which ultimately, after a couple of months, ended up me ended up with me being the, the manager. So I, I was 21. I was the youngest licensee. This is like early 90s. I was the youngest licensee in 
in female licensing mm. in London time and i was afforded the opportunity to make some incredible massive mistakes while not because my area manager had 20 sites at the time mm-hmm. this is the bass the pub was called the surprise a beautiful surprise i think you know geronimo's had it for a bit i think young's had it for a bit was it still think, there yeah it's oh, an amazing it? pub oh. mark and it's just oh it's just in st- such a stunning area so my my guests were like Bob Geldof and Georgie Best was one of my, wow. oh, that, like just beautiful times. So I was, a, and all of my, my guests were, um, most of them, should I say, were all from the city. So they used to come back from working in the city, um, come back for a pint and then go back to Battersea or wherever it was they were leaving and living. And they, they took me under their wing. Wow. So it was, that was an incredible opportunity to learn while not being watched and yeah. not have this fear of like what will somebody else think of me am i going to get it wrong because i got it wrong and nobody saw me get it wrong and then i learned from it and did better the next day so that that was huge then um went off traveling for a bit came back you remember bar coast yeah yeah <laughs> came back bar coast had just been born it's a funny brand. It was like this pre-club bar. It was like, yeah, funny, funny brand. So worked with Barclays, ran a business for them in Mill Hill, which I was I took my son to football there a couple of weeks ago. It was such a dud site. I think Prezzo went in there, it's been boarded up and it was never hugely successful. Moved up to Sheffield, then Chester and running Barclays and Chester was a proper club, like it was a three o'clock in the morning job. Did that and then had a really super cool boyfriend at the time, DJ music producer, who wanted to move to London. So we moved to London and that's when I started working with Corny and Barrow, uh-huh. which was dreamy. Going from these this massive company who had six, I don't know how many businesses they had at the time, but there would have been over a thousand businesses with Bass at, the, at, at that stage. And then going to work for Corny and Barrow, which was 13 wine bars in the square mile beautiful wine bars mm. month friday so going from working in a club till three o'clock in the morning to doing monday to friday and with with women so so although it was all of our guests were mainly mainly men it was in, in the square mile so there was sarah huard running corny and barrow and lucy walsh who's now lucy Knowles, you know mm-hmm. who's a club now and yeah, I mean, that was, I went from being a really small fish in a big pond to being a big fish in a small pond. And they they gave me a seat at the table. I was I was made a director. I Stuff I just had never had any any influence over at all in, in, in previous um, positions. And yeah, really, really enjoyable mm. being able to shape, shape, shape that. And of course, after that, what did I do? Then that, then it was prep. So I, I met with, I asked Andrea Wareham. Mm-hmm. I asked her if she wouldn't mind having a meeting with me when I was working at Corny and Barrow. I wanted to pick her brains all about, you know, I knew how wonderful the people strategy was and the culture was in prep, and could I pick her brains? And that just, I think, one thing just led to another there. And after seven years, and because I'd been in Corny and Barrow for seven years, and it was such a wholesome business of 
you know, training assistant managers that worked their way up to ops managers. Like everyone, the succession was great. Everyone wanted to work for CMB. And I got to the stage, I think, at the level I was at, I was operations director, the level I was at, I was stopping people moving up because it was a small company. So it was a long time. So um, then I started working with 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 Pratt, which was I I'd never worked in 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 retail, and the the learn there really was how you can systemize people culture as long as you've got the right people at the top and the yeah. right people are most definitely at the top. Andrea yeah. was there, Five Schley, um, Julian was kind of dipping in and out of that stage. But we're at kind of like 2007, that was. So it's 2007 to 2009. And, yeah, phenomenal business. So, I've, I've, yeah, so fortunate to have worked with them. And I know I know you feel the same. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was it was just, you know, I was had started on my own already um, after having left a, a music uh, company. And then uh, it came up and I just thought, I've just got to do this. And, you know, it's you know, I do say this to people like with a straight face, which is it's almost like working with Google or Apple or, you know, in the hospitality industry, if you've worked for Pret, no matter how long, I mean, I was only in for a maternity contract, but um, it really says something about you and your CV. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, 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 I would imagine even even still now, but, you know, definitely back then, I think I was 2012 to 2013. Um, but yeah, and you just learn so much. And one of the biggest things I learned was that they just don't really do marketing at all. You know, because um, that's what I asked them in the interview. I was like, why are, you, why are you hiring a head of marketing? You don't really do any. And And it was just, it made you think so differently about what marketing actually is. Um, and if you've got great product, um, great people, um, you know, obviously convenience as well that, you know, you're, you're, you're within a stone's throw of everything, um, at a decent price point that doesn't alienate people. Um, all right, there's a sliding scale on that, but you know, they still had the egg and cress or whatever that was still, what more did you need to do? And then the, the posters in the window, were the marketing? Yeah. I mean, that was pretty much it. And I remember setting Clive up with a fake Twitter account so he could play with it because he was just kind of interested in it, you know? And then that then led to him being a lot more prevalent on Twitter and then, um, you know, he, he was then given the ability to ask people what they thought, you know, and then sort of veggie pretz sort of came about from him asking questions, you know, on Twitter and through the email and, and all that. But... um. It wouldn't work for everyone the way that Pret does marketing because most people are chasing sales and Pret never were. Pret were just continually brand building and they had the sales. And then I think also because almost one or two generations had grown up with it, it was just ever present. And then the thing you say to people about Pret as well is like, name me a time where Pret ever let you down. It might not knock your socks off anymore because you've, became so familiar with it but you know and then even things like when it's just in the parlance now isn't it it's just you know i've been watching comedy thing you know comedy acts the other day and and they're all mentioning something about prey or that you don't like the crisps or they, they thought this was great or they're taking the mick at it but that's when you know you became a household name 
Mm. Um, you know, which is quite amazing. And actually, I bought the other day because I managed to lose my copy the original sort of cookbook that they had, which you know told you how to do sandwiches and you know when it was all sort of really from Julian's mouth. I think you know from from what I could tell, um, from from what it's what it's saying. You know, it's statement little you know self-effacing statement in brackets. You know, da da da. You know, all all that kind of stuff. So. You know, it's um, yeah, I know, but it, it just continues to do well. I mean, I think the big watch out for them really is is this loyalty scheme, which is going great. But yeah, how do you ever reverse engineer out of that? Mm. You know, that's it's a really tough hard one. to take it back, isn't it? That's a tough one. Um, but you know, listen, they know what they're doing. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, they're, they're they're no fools. Um, so 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 that's really good. A creative agency for the hospitality sector, Saved by Robots create compelling brands and memorable experiences through great design and engaging storytelling. From Scottish Restaurant of the Year Sugarboat to Tip Jar, the digital tipping platform that's taken over the world, Saved by Robots excel at bringing ideas to life. As well as developing new concepts and refreshing existing brands, the robots provide outsourced graphic design to help multi-site operators grow with confidence. Check out their work and get in touch at savedbyrobots.com. Hi everyone, I'm Lucy, Head of Sales at Airship & Toggle. Hopefully you've heard of us before, but in case you're not sure what we do, let me bring you up to speed. Airship is a leading hospitality marketing CRM, supporting operators by building a better understanding of their customers' visiting habits to help them target, personalise and automate their marketing and deliver a return on investment. And Toggle, which is our gift card platform and generated a whopping £48 million for the sector in 2023 through the sale of prepaid gift cards, experiences, tickets, merchandise and so much more. I'm here to tell you a little secret though. Airship CRM have a huge update coming, which is going to change hospitality marketing in 2024, making it faster and stronger than ever before. If you want to learn a little bit more before we launch, just get in touch with me on lucy at airship.co.uk or you can visit our website to learn more about what we do for hospitality at airship.co.uk. Just thinking about, um, and then obviously from there you went on to Wellfound, right? And uh, right well, no, uh, well, what was between that? Yeah, no, good, good point. So after that was um, was Castle. Ah, yeah. So I worked with so yeah, the artist formerly known as Bass. I went back to um to Mitchell's and Butler's, which was really enjoyable. You know, it was um and and Castle's a super brand still is. You know, yep. internally a brand, externally not. You know yep. the you know, want guests to feel like they're going to, you know, Mark's pub rather yeah. than a branded business. And there's some friction in that too. It's very, yeah. I think the complexities of that business internally is, you know, you're employing somebody to be, to manage their own business and do their own thing. Really, you're, you know, the, the menu's the same across however many over 100 yeah. properties now. Um, but that was great. And then uh, latterly was Vintage, which I did for a year. So Vintage Inns was 90 pubs. I think it was £80 million turnover, um, which is a huge business. And I was pregnant in that, in mm-hmm. you know, last few months of, of, of working with them. So, and that was the first time I'd done outside of London. Mm. Pub. 
Um, I think their target market is kind of 55 to 70, 80, you know, it might not be the same now, but it certainly was at the time. So that was just a different muscle to flex and, you know, different levels of area managers than I'd worked with before. And, uh, you know, it's, it, Mitchells and Butlers is really, I mean, I, I, I truly admire them. I, mm. I really, really do. They have some exceptional people working in their business, some really, really awesome people. And they continue to do some really decent stuff. And, 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 and the challenge will always be at that mid management level when i say you know you've got the real grown-ups at the board and then you've got the bits that the the directors that are running each of those segments if you like you know one might running sort of three four hundred businesses across another number of different brands and then you've got the ops directors or the retail directors that are running that and the challenge i guess is that how do you how do you as a business ensure that your teams feel empowered to make those decisions yeah. at director level right the way down to general manager how do they how do you empower them when essentially you're delivering a cascade and it's somebody else's message that's where the you know the the uh, actually that's where the opportunity is is ensuring that those those i, I met with do you, do you know susan chapel yeah uh, yeah that's the marketing chief right She's she runs the the city. It's, I think it's all. So she's got Castle all by one. Um, I think she had Miller and Carter for a bit. Brown. So she's. Yeah, she, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure I've had meetings with her. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I think so. I think I think think you'll have definitely definitely met her. And she, um, yeah, she, that, like she is so people focused. Like, mm. Thing is about that. Everything is about the people for her, and there's no surprise that she's one of the best performing areas. You know, yeah. brands have an incredible Christmas, yeah. um, and so, so are for other brands too. So, so yeah, that's that's the 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 gift of mm. M&B is that that position really. I, I, mean, I love the vintage ones. Actually, we we had uh, one the flying fox, uh, Neil Leighton Buzzard. Um, that's when we used to live up there. Used to go there all the time, and it was queued out. You couldn't get in, mm. you know, especially on a sunny day. Uh, you were struggling, but it was just consistently consistent. And you know, at that point, it was the right price point for us. And your hunter's chicken and a pint of ale and all that, and you were away. You know, hunter's um, chicken. That was vintage gins, isn't it? God, yeah. you know, that was their best selling. It's a bit like the, I think the Super Club sandwich was always yeah. the best wasn't it in Pratt that was the hunter's chicken was the banker for vintage yeah yeah no it would have been no we used to always take people there um and then uh obviously went into uh, kitty hawk and mm. lino and all that stuff um so yeah so what what did you find there i mean kitty hawk was interesting because it was like a department store of hospitality sort of thing when you first went in didn't you wasn't it yeah department store of dining yeah the concept so kitty hawk was and, and this this hadn't I had never happened in in bieber's history and i don't think it's happened since where um there's a changeover of of founder if you like or managing director so, so quickly in in a new business a new portfolio launching so it already launched and i was invited to take over and kitty was as you say department store of dining so it was 11,000 square feet, big, big business. 
and there were I guess it was supposed to be five five different departments which mm. were coffee shop a restaurant downstairs then there's a bar upstairs and um private dining room and I can't remember what the other one was mm. it was just confused you know I guess they had a fantastic launch and don't get me wrong it looked phenomenal oh, they say, beautiful, yeah. beautiful beautiful business but it was it was confusing you know a guest would would um and there was lots of different menus and a guest would phone up and say oh you know can i have a tape for two in the in can i have a tape for two what do you want the restaurant or the bar i'll have the restaurant now, what's the difference by the way about two two quid on a burger was the difference you know if you went to the yeah. restaurant like it was just confusing to yeah. the get and and it was also it was probably a little bit behind the time whilst the design was superb none of the seating was flexible and you know in the city is a lot of events and you know you'd be able to provide those things for guests and there's a lot of cash in those events too so we 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 closed the business for a bit we spent some money or spent some money on a redesign and it was just so much more chilled out and accessible for 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 the guests, you know. And I remember because it went from this, it wasn't quite white tablecloth, but it was near near enough, near enough white tablecloth. Um, went from that to this really relaxed, kind of almost sort of clubhouse, Soho house sort of feel. And I remember a chap coming in and a couple of days after we'd relaunched and he had the baseball cap on and put his feet up and got his laptop out and i was like yes you know this, this, yeah. this feels more like was it me <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds familiar <laughs> so, it was, um, so so yeah that that's that yeah kitty's kitty started to work for us yeah and then uh well you know as well so I think after Kitty, because we'd, you know, when you launch a business that doesn't work, obviously you've got to work doubly hard to make mm. sure you get money and you get you get more money back into business. So that's when we acquired White and Brown in Kingley Court. Mm. And that's I think that's when we really started this magpie strategy of picking up great value businesses that we could turn a key on. So we acquired mm. white, white and brown and ran it as white and brown, the free range chicken concept within the within the business for yeah, for years, for for three or four years. And then in the, as you say, then in the middle of that was was Lino. And I think at that stage, because we had a bit of a bugger's muddle, if you like, of kind of, you know, you start start a business, which is department stores of dining, and then it's just simply Kitty Hawk, which is a restaurant and bar. So that's, that's business one. Mm. And you acquire something else, which is free, free range chicken concept, concept that's business two. And you're just like, okay, how am I going to bring these businesses all in together? Because, yeah. you know, you know, it's going to take as much time to run one kitty hawk as it would to run a hundred, you know, mm. one white and brown as it would to run a hundred. It just wasn't going to, going to work for us. So we went back to the drawing board at that stage and which was the original right and bell concept, which was about bringing good food to bars because mm. bar food tends to be pretty ropey mm. or have been. So that and and realizing if we were going to bring good food to bars, then we needed somebody pretty decent to work with us. And that's when we started working with Richard Falk, who was the head chef of the dairy at the time. 
and he was on the up you know he hadn't quite got there yet but mm-hmm. he was well known enough and obviously great creds with working with robin and richard really poked the bear about this kind of you know what's your purpose how are you going to have an impact on the world what about mental health and chefs you know what about low waste what about mm-hmm. doing the right thing so when we fa- found the site that Lino ended up in, which was in Bart Square near St Paul's, which was an old linoleum, I find it really difficult to say linoleum, linoleum yeah. and carpet warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lino felt like the perfect name for it. And we got all of our design intent from Helsinki, so had this real kind of Scandi look to it. And the brand really was born from Richard's vision of like, let's do the right thing. Mm. And also this, let's bring good food to bars. So we, it was a beautiful bar, big central, it was probably about 6,000 square feet on two levels, big central bar, you know. we had Yeah, that was lovely. Yeah. And, um, and we baked our own bread, we made our own butter, we made our own sausages, we fermented, we pickled, we cured, we did everything from scratch. And that's where the reuse, relove, reimagine came from is everything from light fittings being repurposed to, um, to, you know, using the bread at the end of the day to make an incredible bread and butter pudding the next day. Yeah. I mean, everything was just repurposed as much as we possibly could. And folk loved it, you know, it was yeah. different for the city at that stage. I mean, it's city fringes, isn't it, St. Paul's? But it, different for the city and we we got some great great recognition for it we'd had a fantastic review from jay rayner Fanny mashler loved it grace den you know loved lino it was, uh, it was really well loved and you know we did we also ended up doing a celebrity master chef in there our celebrity was ian beale from oh very good <laughs> and who's that? Who's that um weatherman fashionacker or something? But anyway, he was the other uh, other celebrity, should I say. Oh, so yeah, okay. we had some decent PR and it was it was loved and we didn't we didn't ram this reuse, relove, reimagine thing mm. down a guest's throat because essentially you just want a decent atmosphere, good service and good food and ram it down the throat. But the impact it had on the team of mm. people we partnered with and working with street smart you know for, for the homeless and working with blue water and doing those donations to water aid and working with soap co that made their own soap that uh, you know and the only people they employed at soap co were people with um with disabilities so it was like it, it knowing that uh, for a team member, they're working in a company that had a purpose and gave a shit. Yeah, it's huge. Like our retention was 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 great. Yeah, no, it was it was a smart a smart gaff for sure. And then Marsha was the last one, was it? Yeah, so Marsha again was this kind of and it's a bit kind of chicken and egg, isn't it? Pardon the pun, but it's a bit, <laughs> but it you know it was like how do we again bring all of this in line so it was like okay let's do a proof of concept we acquired a new business on the south bank which was marsha which we turned into um called marsha which was a, a essentially a low waste chicken restaurant and if that worked then we would put it into white and brown which was yeah. the bank 
Um, and so, yeah, we did proof of concept with the one that we acquired on the South Bank and then put that into, into white and brown. So they were essentially three. And then the fourth, of course, was the green room, which was the big pivot for us. Mm. So COVID, we're in lockdown, got all, both our city businesses closed and we acquired the green room on the, on the South Bank, which was... It's a bit like the Wild West then. You just did what you could to get open, didn't you? But that yeah. that business ended up being, I think it was in Bieber's highest ROI. Something like wow. 50% ROI because it was an existing business. We could yeah. turn the key. I took a bread oven from a site, so we made pizzas there. You know, a bread oven from a, a closed site, so we could make pizzas there, which was a high GP item. And um, and we we allowed us to take all of our bring our all of our team back off furlough who mm. were in the businesses that were closed in the city, and it just ripped up trees because it mm. incredible outside space. So yeah, it was Marsha, Delino, and Kitty Brands were very similar, and 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 the green room. Yeah, no, the thing that stood out to me always was the Marsha logo. I just thought it was so beautiful. Mm. I really, I thought it was. Because you get a lot of logos and it's just a font and, you know, it's a bit meh. But there was some real thought put into that one. You know, I really thought it was something there was something special. Um, I really liked that one for sure. And then just going back to coaching for a sec then. So thinking about 2024, you know, we're in the beginnings of it. You know, is there any, A, what are the clues people should look for that they might need some help? You know, just kind of in, in themselves. And then the second thing would be, you know, just any tips, words of wisdom for, for people to have, you know, the, the, the best year that they can really in, in work and in, in relationships and personal life. Mm. On the first one, honestly, I believe that everyone needs a coach. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs a coach. But to answer your question specifically, I guess if you're feeling stuck, Mm. I mean, as, quite often I did this with my coach about three or four years ago. You know, I want to know what my purpose is. You know, I don't know what, you know. And actually, we probably, I, I discovered this a few weeks ago with somebody that, that I was, um, who, who was coaching me. And she said, you know, we never, we, we probably don't understand our purpose until we're sitting in our rocking chair at 80 and go, oh, yeah. that's what I was here to do. Yeah. Which is so freeing, so freeing. Yeah. So I think so. Anyone that's, I guess, feeling stuck, and anyone who wants help achieving their dreams, and an, e even understanding what their dreams are, mm. to be to seek out a, a coach. Um, and best ways to get in touch with you? Um, LinkedIn, um, on my website, um. Call me WhatsApp. I'm 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 really accessible. So nine yards coaching. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, and also with the name, I know we're going to go into tips, but just while I'm here, uh, with the name, where did that come from? Now this is me speaking to a marketer, so I think you'll probably shoot me for this. <laughs> but it was like I've never got like we've all sat in those meetings where you procrastinate over a name and everyone's yeah. opinion and all that stuff and you just like i don't believe it ever really matters as long as it doesn't detract i'm not sure it massively matters mm. and my kids chose it i gave them three options i can't even remember what the other two were yeah, yeah. 
for me, nine yards was just a way of of showing that we go the whole nine yards. We yeah. really go deep. And that that's simply where it where it came from. Yeah. Much thought. It was, that was the same with well found, you know. I I paid somebody 150 quid. Somebody I see grand. I I thought you were going to say grand. I was like, where was my phone call from? Jesus. No, it was off Fiverr. I found some Fiverr, I think it was, and I paid them 150 quid, and I Mm. said, this is what we want to stand for. And they came back with three options, and we chose that like it doesn't need to be that complicated. And now there's chat GPT. You could do it. You could do it on yeah, that. Yes, you could. I guess you um, could. Well, just some fun facts. I looked up this morning. So fun facts on nine yards. Um, do you know where it comes from? Yeah, I do. Right? Go on, tell us. Tell well, us. The two tell that us I found, found. So one of the ones I found was it was a military thing where um it was about you having enough ammo. Uh, you know, if, if you laid it all out, it was nine yards. Um, which I think works. You know, in terms of you having enough ammo and all that. But the second one I saw was, a, and I, this is why I was excited, was it was about kilts. <laughs> and uh, for you to make a kilt or some such thing, you know, thing was you needed sort of nine yards of the cloth. The cloth. So, yes, yeah, so I was like, whoa. And so whether it was to make a batch or one, I'm not sure. But anyway, it said about it was actually related to kilt making was another thought. And obviously there's the Matthew Perry movie with Bruce Willis as well. <laughs> so I, knew, I knew the military one, the, the kilt one's new. So yeah. That. Yeah, I would, I would, I would steal that one maybe. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so top tips for 2024. Any, any sort of thoughts around, you know, just some great phrases or... or you know, thinking it's inspired you for the year to keep you motivated? Because you see, you're working yourself and you've got to keep yourself motivated too, right? I mean, it's quite easy to watch a box set, you know? Yeah, yeah. So there's this piece around slowing down to speed up. Mm-hmm. It, you know, when we take a moment to truly understand what we ought to be doing whatever wherever that is just taking a moment and giving ourselves space slowing down will help us speed up and help us stuff done so that would be thing one thing two is doing what you say you're going to do Mm. and what i mean by that and my my coach taught taught me about this is building that self-reputation because it we're the only people we lie to, you know, when we say to ourselves, I'm going to get up at 5.30 in the morning, I'm going to have a cold shower, I'm going to go to the gym. When we don't do it, we're just lying. Nobody else cares. Mm. When you lie to yourself every day or you don't do what you said you were going to do every day, you're training your brain to feel like you're not winning. Mm. Whereas conversely, if you set yourself as an example, so every morning, and I had I had a bit of a blip over Christmas, which was quite a moment of discovery for me. And you can't you just reset, don't you? But you know, mostly I, I get up at five thirty every morning. I have a cold shower, then I do some meditation, then I do some journaling, then I do yoga. I'm doing these core exercises at the moment, which are miserable. <laughs> And 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 then I'm ready because 
what I found before I started doing those things was I was always just struggling to keep up. Like the kids were like getting up at seven and I was just not taking time for me. So the reason I mentioned those things as an example is I made a commitment to do those things for myself every day, not for anyone else, but for myself. And when you make that commitment, it's a bit like what we said earlier about choosing your heart. Like none of it's easy. Mm. Getting 30 isn't easy. But being really shitty with myself all day because I didn't do what I was said I was going to do is not either. You know, those things are difficult. So that would be, um, so really developing your self-reputation and doing what you said you were going to do. And I think the last one would have to be honesty and honesty with yourself and with with others because when we're not aligned to our true self and we don't show up as our true selves then the impact we have is not real Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense um yeah and then i think you know something i'd been thinking about a lot lately as well was sort of masking you know so you know a lot of um you know sort of behavior can, can be that as well you know you're you're putting up a front but on the inside you're either trash talking yourself because you haven't done things or you're not feeling um you know 100 percent or whatever it is you know i, I think you know, it's a lot of Buddhism stuff as well. It's just, you know, turning your attention to that and, and facing it off. And then that's when you might need some help to just kind of rethink, restructure. You might not be doing the right thing. You are stuck, you know, all these kind of things. You know, that that's definitely been on my mind lately as well because I think there's there's a lot of that goes on. And I think as people are discovering more and more that they're neurodivergent too, you know, it's just, it's going to be rife, you know, when, and, and, and women are a lot better at masking than men as yeah. well you know which is really interesting so yeah i think if your gut's telling you your spider sense is telling you that you know you're just not fulfilled or 100 percent or on track or anything like that then i would definitely encourage you to, to to get in touch with sarah and um have a wee chat and get it all unpacked um in our lovely loft floor um so last questions then really were just a bit of fun so mark out a 10 questions so favorite city to eat in Oh, can I have two? Yeah. They'll be short. London, of course, because mm. just the food scene in London is awesome. But Aberdeen would be Aberdeen? my Aberdeen? I know, what? I know. Because my whole family are Aberdeenians. Ah. So there's so much nostalgia there. And if I can get myself a mealy pudding and a rowie, I'd be delighted. So, what, What's a rowie? A rowie is like a it's like a breakfast roll and it's it's probably got about it's probably got twice as much butter as a croissant does. It's like full on, yeah, heart attack in a wow. bun. So delicious. And with a bit of crispy bacon in the middle, it's like a ten out of ten brekkie. And mealy mealy pudding, is that haggis esque? Yeah, ish. It's it's have you had a scurly? No. So scurly and mealy pudding, same thing. It's oatmeal with um, beef fat and 
onions and the pudding part of it is they just wrap it in sheep's innards I would have thought I don't think about that bit too much but these are awesome in a pot of mince beef mince okay right fair dues um uh, and then favorite hotel the Samling in Windermere. So it just got a Michelin star last year. I haven't stayed there for a while, but Stephen and I, my husband, were there a few years back. They are It's beautiful. Stay in a room that's got Winston Churchill's bar. They've got plenty of barrel wines there. Like it's, it, it is very decent and beautiful setting just on the lake. Nice. Oh, I don't know that one. I need to check it out. And then favourite coffee shop? Ozone in London Fields. Oh, yeah. Night, great menu, open kitchen, and that nice kind of Antipodean vibe, which is which is definitely on the up, isn't it? I mean, just, just really decent, decent place to go. I, I think I've definitely had their coffee, but I don't think I've been there. Mm, Interesting. Ah, cool one. Mm. Um, and then favourite bar? The, well, we were doing recce's around just before I left Wellfound, and one of the um, places we went to was the Sea Library, which is at under 100 Shoreditch. Oh. Yeah, really, it's like a dark bar, retro, really nice design, um, and they do a deep-fried Mars bar. Oof. Well, do you know, just on that, like, Scottish people don't really eat them. I it's know such a do. weird thing. Um, but I've only ever had one, and then this will put my reputation to shame but uh, I had it in Gary Road's restaurant at the uh, Cumberland at Marble Arts that's the only one I've ever had yeah and I thought I, I should just because it was there but yeah such I, a weird one I think the second one I had was at the Seed Library yeah you don't you don't you don't need them you don't need them they're, they're very nice but it's like well they started in um I think it was in Stonehaven just outside Aberdeen was oh. where yeah, yeah. Well, there used to, one of the chip shops in uh, Glasgow used to let you do any of the sweetie counter, so anything. <sighs> so Maltesers, Twix, Snickers, whatever you wanted, they would just do it for you. Dreamy, and you you can do like you can do half and half pizzas, right? They do, do deep fry. Yeah. But, fry but, half but, the pizza in batter. Yeah, but the only thing with it is, um, it's. Uh, it's, it's, it's more like tomato, but it's not really a pizza as you would know it. It's oh. like a really crap pizza. So, like, one you would, I mean, I don't know if you ever, probably don't, wouldn't have got this down the road, but you would be able to buy a pizza in a butcher's. And it was just like kind of tomato bread where, you know, like almost the cheapest supermarket pizza ever, but it was really, but it's really thick. Mm. So it's a bit like that. But I remember I've been put off them for life because I was up in Glasgow a few years ago. It was a really cold night. I can't remember what I did. I can't remember what I did. But I was walking back to George Square. Uh, it was freezing night. And I got one. I was really drunk. And I thought, God, I haven't had one of those for years. I'm going to get it. It'll be fun. And uh, I got it. And then I tipped the bag up or tipped the thing up. And all the grease went up the arm of my like inside, so all right. I can still feel it now, and that's I'm done with that. But um, but yeah, so <laughs> it's pretty horrible. Um, so yeah, don't do that. So yeah, but it it's one of those things you kind of you know if you were in Japan, you would try a certain thing, or you know it's like if you're in 
if you're in Glasgow, you, you know, give it it's only a couple of quid, just take a wee corner off and try it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you don't see too many food bloggers reviewing them, put it that way. No. Um, so yeah. And then uh, last uh, oh, and then uh, last one was um favorite restaurant. It's a new one. I think these are more of my kind of more recent sort of faves, but Strakers in nothing. So Thomas Straker, he's the guy who's done all the amazing stuff with butter. Um, He has a restaurant um, in Notting Hill. Been there twice over the last couple of months, most recently with my husband for his birthday. And it's just a really cool vibe. Great people. The team are really sassy. And he does the most incredible flatbread with mussels and garlic and chili and of course it's of butter and he works you know mm. he's a pretty well-known chef and you know he's quite often on the pass so it i would really recommend strakers nice that sounds great okay well i love you and leave you thanks so much for having the chat that's been amazing and um there lots of great tips for everyone and for me too um you know getting into 2024 properly and, um, you know, just sort of thinking a lot more about, you know, goals, achieving them and getting through that to-do list that I'm kind of hiding away from slightly at the moment. So um, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for that. So hope you have a great rest of the day and wish you well with the business and the family and all that stuff. And we'll catch up soon. You're very welcome. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you. So there we go, a brilliant episode, so deep in terms of thinking and topic and advice, so probably worth a re-listen at some point, and also to share it with your colleagues and your network and your teams, because as Sarah says, everyone could really be doing with some kind of help, coaching, guidance, and you shouldn't be too proud to say that I can do it myself or we've got that skill within the organisation, because it's actually great to speak to someone one that's impartial and there'll be no judgment and certainly not anything career limiting when you're telling them how you really feel. So please get in touch with Sarah, that's Sarah Clark who's founder and executive coach at Nine Yards Coaching. Search on Google, Instagram and LinkedIn, LinkedIn's fabulous by the way. So have a wee look at that and get in touch and hopefully she can help you or someone you know very very soon. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity and serve guests better. Just visit vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic and get in touch with the team right away. That's vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off for another podcast and I'm really looking forward to the next time we're together. Next time, we'll hear from many, many more interesting people with top tips, tricks and tales that will make your brand boom.